Welcome to the Education Innovators Podcast. I'm Eric Byron, and it's an honor to host this show where we get to hear from talented educators who are willing to share their stories of the incredible things they are doing in learning environments all over the world. I always believe that opportunities is the source of hope. And without a good education, it's very difficult to be hopeful because education really can empower a person to achieve things that his parents or grandparents might not be able to do. Hope and opportunity through education. Rachel Chan is a visionary who understands the importance of technology to increase the power and reach of education. This is part two of my conversation with Rachel, and in this episode, we talk broadly about investing in EdTech and about how Esperanza, through events like those included in EdTech Month in Hong Kong, are promoting and supporting the advancement of education through technology and innovation. And one of the good things about technology is the cause of failure can be really low or close to nothing. And one very good example, of course, is ChatGPT. And I have been told in the last few months that ChatGPT has really encouraged a lot of teachers to try using technology in ways that they've never done it before. And a lot of these teachers, they use ChatGPT to design their course materials, to do assessment. And most important of all, I think, is they start to use ChatGPT to personalize the learning for their students. Because in the past, it's almost impossible, right? You teach a class of 20 to 30 students, how can you personalize, you know, a different assignment for each of them? You know, you you don't even have to sleep or or sleep or eat or anything. (laughs) But now with ChatGPT, within split seconds, you can do that. And the teachers are really excited about these possibilities and they start to use it. And to well, anything that frees up the teachers too, exactly. so they can put yeah. more focus on teaching yeah. instead yeah. of administrative overhead. Yeah. So where we can apply these tools, just say building rubrics and plans and outlines and content that gets you 75% there maybe very, very quickly instead of you starting with a blank sheet of paper you know, and spending hours trying to imagine you know, what you're going to do here. It just gives you that lift, saves you time, and uh, and now you can focus more of that attention on the individual student. Yeah, so, precisely. Yeah. Yeah. We're not there yet, but that's the hope, I think, of some of that <laughs> yeah, technology. That. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least teachers nowadays, they are less kind of afraid about technology and they see it as a help rather than a hindrance to their work. Yeah. Now, there's also, you know, admittedly here in Hong Kong, the fear factor, right? So we saw this, right, with, you know, one of the universities first fully banning the use of generative (laughs) AI, then finally coming back and saying, all right, well, we'll allow, what was it? Uh, 20 prompts a month or something, right? You've got a budget you can spend on how many prompts you can you can use generative AI tools. 
I mean, that's better than a full ban, but we have seen that reaction also locally that, you know, this is the devil. Again, because it's not perfect, because it has, they call hallucinations, right? And it, it makes yeah. stuff up sometimes. It fills in the gaps. You know, it, yeah. it, uh, um, it does. It gets creative at times and it's not accurate yeah. or necessarily reliable. And so you get those folks who just go, oh, it's not 100% reliable. I won't touch it then. You know, I won't let anybody else use it because you know it's not perfect. Yes, I think that's a, a dangerous... Anybody who's ignoring the possibilities of generative AI, not becoming literate with it, um, who's involved in education right now is, is completely missing the boat. But I thought of something uh, when you were, you were talking there earlier about the, the cost of of trying this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. That from a budget standpoint, right? It it costs almost nothing to start, you know, playing with these tools and getting literate with them. And I, I learned this term in the game industry when I first started at EA. Uh, it was up on the wall in one of the conference rooms, and it said, "Fail fast, fail cheap." Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So the idea was right. Don't make a big investment. Just go. Just yeah. try something, and very quickly accept if it's not working. If it's not yeah, working, and fails smartly as well. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, fail fast, fail learn. cheap. Yes. Yeah. So this is the the government does not do that well at all, right? Well, failure <laughs> yeah. is a taboo in the government. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, Double yeah, down, yeah. spend more money, throw money at it if it's not working. You know, one, right. Yeah. One yeah. of the uh, bosses that I really admire, he has passed away recently. And once he said, if you work in the government, you have nine successes and one failure. You will be labeled as a failure. In the commercial sector, if you fail nine times and you have one major win, you are the winner. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Completely completely agree. This is why innovation is so, so difficult in the government. Yeah. Well, it leads me to another, you know, topic along the way too. And obviously, I I like games and and from the game industry. But I think that one of the benefits of gaming in education also is we do tend to have a culture of teaching our kids not to fail. That fail is a bad yeah. thing. But games yeah. teach you the opposite, right? Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. They teach you to to fail kind of safely. That it's okay, yes. right? And yeah. this it takes time. I mean, I remember when I, you know first transitioned into the game industry yeah, and, and started yeah. playing some of these games that I had yeah. missed because I'm too old and <laughs> the gaming thing kind of started when I was uh, in my 20s already and uh, didn't have time to play the games my kids played. But my kids learned that it's okay. Just die because the game lets you reset. And, you know, um, I learned something yeah. from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah you know, I figured yeah. out what not to do and sometimes figuring out, you know, why that failed is much more valuable lesson than if I'd just been successful and not understood why I was successful, right? Exactly. So, um, yeah. so I do think that uh, some of these tools and the ed tech and say the implementation of games in education um, really helps kind of reinforce that because that's exactly what I want when I hire somebody in industry and in the tech industry in particular. I, I want somebody who's fearless. You know, do yeah, not be afraid yeah. to fail. Just go try something. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. And having fun is so important yeah. in learning. Yeah. All right. Let's talk a little bit about Esperanza. 
and yeah. your involvement there. So Esperanza um, right, was founded in 2018 by John uh, Tsang, right? And, and he's a former financial secretary of the uh, uh, Hong Kong uh, government. So he founded this, but you're now listed also as a co-founder. So tell me about your relationship with, with John and when you kind of joined in there. Yeah, actually, I got to know John because I told you that I had worked in the London office of the Hong Kong government. Mm. And uh, at that time, I had the privilege of working with John together in the Hong Kong government economic trade office in London. Yeah, and since then, we kept in touch. And then after his failed election, talking about failure, <laughs> um, I, you know, I asked him, hey, John, what do you want to do uh, now that you are formally retired from the government? And since, you know, both of us, we are all very keen to support entrepreneurship, encourage innovation, and doing something meaningful together. So we had this idea of doing Esperanza. And that name actually was John's invention. It's a Spanish word. Yes. Meaning hope. And because actually it ties in very well with what we are doing now. I always believe that opportunities is the source of hope. Mm. And without a good education, it's very difficult to be hopeful. Because education really can empower a person to achieve things that his parents or grandparents might not be able to do. Yeah. I remember my parents grilling me as a young man that uh, even if you don't know what you want to do, go get your degree in something because just having a degree opens doors. Yeah, but nowadays, I don't think it's a really a degree as such, but just learning, you know, you can- I, Well, I'll agree with that. Yes. It, approach it, to learn. And yeah. like I was in a workshop a few days ago. One of the professor, you know, he is a professor, but he said, ah, somehow I don't understand why we spend so much time and so much money teaching our kids skills that will be outdated by the time they graduate. <laughs> well, and- I've taught in the university computer science courses, and I can tell you a lot of universities are teaching technology that not only will be obsolete, was obsolete 10 years before they enrolled. You know, they're still teaching it because that's what they know and that's what their curriculum is and the books they're licensed for, whatever. It, it, it's a complex problem to move fast and it's harder. I, I, I totally get. I mean, back when I first started in technology, you know, technology really went in like 10 or 15 year cycles. Now you're lucky if it's 10 month cycle. Um, yes, you learn something yeah, now in yeah, 10 months yeah, or yeah, six months, yeah. it may be completely obsolete. So um, becoming an expert in anything is a almost a false statement because um, nothing lasts long enough really to become an expert anymore, I think. Yeah, I, I, I remember... Tech. Yeah, one of the comedians in Hong Kong, um, he told me that when he was studying at one of the universities in Hong Kong, he always skipped classes. And one day, his lecturer really came to him and said, hey, I think you need to explain why you always are, you know, not attending my classes. And this young gentleman 
what he told the lecturer was, why should I attend my classes? Because the things I know, you don't know. And the things you know, I know about them. I have no problem learning what you told me I already know. So I better spend my time doing my reading, playing games. That's more productive of my time. <laughs> yes, it's a uh, it's a very, very hard problem now to try and keep up for anybody, whether you're in industry or in yes, education. Yeah. Uh, trying to keep pace with technology is um, virtually impossible. And so I, I get that you kind of lock into um, theoretical things and say, we're going to teach the theory instead of the tool because, you know, the theory is more important, but even the theories are are changing yeah, um, yeah. You know, so the way you have really to think about begs, things. It really begs the question of what actually should we learn in school? What should we learn? What should we teach? Oh, you're heading down trouble again, Rachel. <laughs> you're, you're, you're questioning things, questioning what are we teaching? Why should we teach that? Yeah. I, and I completely yeah, agree with you. Yeah. yeah. What is knowledge if knowledge will be obsolete so quickly? Yeah. And you know, frankly, my view is it's not really about the subject matters anymore. It's really about building the character of a person mm. through learning. So learning is just a means to character building, to building also values of a person. Yeah. Have you happened to see, you actually referred to the World Economic Forum. Have you seen their their 2023 Future of yeah. Jobs report? Yeah, um, yeah. I actually recorded an episode uh, about that specifically. Yeah. We did a whole episode kind of looking at, because uh, they have two reports out. They have the Future of Jobs report, but they yeah. also have an education one. Yeah. And they talk yeah. about the education 4.0 framework, I think they call it. But the, the thing that fascinated me, not to recap that whole episode, because people should listen to that one too, is that a lot of the focus in, in the job side, right, and companies saying the skills that we want to hire, right, the people we're looking for that will be needed in the jobs even now, but moving forward are things like critical thinking, design thinking, something you're very familiar with, right? And you know, analytical thinking, systems thinking, uh, it's all you know, cognitive skills. It's stuff like grit, pers- yeah. you know, persistence, curiosity. Yeah. Um, our education systems are not geared at all, really, no, at towards all. Um, these things. Digital literacy only comes, I think, six on the list. <laughs> yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, you know, oh, and I'm having this debate with with several folks on the podcast too about, you know, how do you build assessment systems? So how do you apply ed tech and AI to an assessment that actually measures something like grit or curiosity? And, well, and actually, so you, now yeah. you got me into the ed tech month program this year. One of the companies that we have selected to present in Hong Kong is called Makats from the UK and they are specialized in critical thinking development and they have I'm so curious I really want to try Uh, they have a system to analyze the critical thinking skills of a person and the founder told me that uh, I hope it's not a secret probably not Uh, (laughs) they are in discussion with OECD 
in coming up with a well-index on the level of critical thinking hmm. among people in different locations. Right, because this is one of the primary challenges, and, and I experienced this in my own startup, right? We we went at this the same way and said, oh, you know, we're going to assess the students going through our boot camp, not just in their technical skills, but, you know, I know I hired, hired, I hired hundreds of engineers during my career that those aren't the necessarily the most important yeah. skills. I wanted to measure things like persistence and, um, Grit, you know, how can uh, you fearlessness measure and right, right, and grit, uh, you know, these yeah. things, right? Yeah. How hard do they really try and where were they creative? Right. So they went out yeah, and figured yeah. out something that we hadn't really discussed or proposed in the yeah. uh, in the assignment. They went out and found a new way to solve it. So um, we tried to do this. But the, the problem is consistency. Right. It's kind of up to the direct instructor to measure that. And yeah. then, you know, how do they measure it fairly, even from one student to another student or from one class to the next class? They tend to evolve in their opinion yeah, on yeah, what it means yeah, yeah, and yeah, the examples yeah. that they've seen. And uh, yeah. and then you start talking about, all right, I got 10 faculty teaching yeah. the same course. And are they all doing the assessment the same way? Which is why I think in this case, you kind of have to take it out of the human assessment side and have tools that really, yeah. they have rules. And, and obviously you got to train all these rules to look for certain things. And uh, and then maybe your assessment is, even if it isn't accurate, it's consistent, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's it's fair yeah. because the machine is doing it and it's not a person's opinion of whether you demonstrated. Um, you, you brought me to another company that we are going to introduce to Hong Kong. Uh, this is a US company called Workera. Uh, W-O-R-K-E-R-A. And the chairman of Vokera is Andrew Ng, the founder of Coursera. And okay. what they meant okay. to do is, you know, because I was looking at something that they wrote yesterday. Using generative AI, they can, based on, say, the skills, maybe 20 skills of a person, to predict another 100 skills of that person. Hmm. And Are we talking superpowers or that, just skills? <laughs> I I don't know. Actually, I need to learn and understand more. But you know, since we right. are on this subject, yeah. and yeah, this is another area, you know, you know, if you know certain traits of a person, how can technology help you to predict the other traits or skills or superpower of that person. Say, right, if right. they know that Rachel Chen is a troublemaker, what else will they know about me? Yeah, yeah, exactly. What else can it figure out? Uh, you're, yeah, uh, yeah. No, this yeah, is, well, we talk about individualizing, right? You know, yeah. customizing yeah. Um, instruction yeah. per student. The, these are the kind of tools that you need. And I'll admit, you know, coming along they, they've improved a lot but these profiling tools that recruiters tend to use yeah, um, yeah, i always yeah. hated these things i'm like oh no you, you, i don't fit in anybody's box you know you can throw all the assessment you know tools profiling tools at me you want and i'm never going to you know agree with whatever it comes out with but uh i understand the value and the purpose of them but it's a tricky tricky thing to try and yes label somebody based on some Yes, yeah, because, standardized you know, questions. In in the past, you got to have boxes, right? You, you do Myers-Briggs, you do different kinds of personality tests. Yeah. They will 
box you in a particular type. But now with AI, with this degree of granular analysis, you are a combination of 100 or 200 types of personalities and skills, right? Right, right. How can you box a person like that, right? Exactly, exactly. So yes, the tools are getting better and better. So talk to me a little bit. We've got just a few more minutes here about um, Esperanza and the events. So we're coming up on EdTech Month here in in Hong Kong, and there's a whole series of events there uh, that you are involved in and organizing. So what's your goal for and it's a lot of effort, right? To pull together yeah. the people and the yeah, money yeah, and yeah, yeah. You know, all the speakers yeah. and yeah. facility. I mean, it's a lot of effort to put on these kind of events. What's your goal? What do, what do you hope we're going to achieve? Well, number one is actually, you know, that's also me. I always believe that we don't have to reinvent the wheel. Someone out there in the world is already doing something. Let's learn from them, work with them and do something together with them. That's our fundamental belief. And actually this is my fourth movement. After entrepreneurship, (laughs) after business sustainability, after ag tech, now I am going to challenge myself. Although I started to advocate the value of entrepreneurship, but now more and more, I believe that actually sometimes you don't have to be an entrepreneur and entrepreneurship is not always good for a society if you don't have the right type of entrepreneurs and they're just sucking in a lot of resources from the society because the failure rate of entrepreneurship is so high. Mm. What I'm now very interested in is how can we here in Hong Kong, you know, we like to see ourselves as East meets West, right? Yep. Kind of like... Uh, gateway between China and the rest of the world. Rachel beats Eric. (laughs) (laughs) How can we really identify and source the best solutions from around the world, work with the best and the brightest talents from around the world, take them to Asia or the other way, you know, find the best talent in China, take them to the rest of the world. I see this is a really a role that Hong Kong should take on now that we are in the talent game, we should think about what we can do with talents. Mm, That's brilliant. I agree. Yeah. The number of true success cases out there. And and I've been looking at this too. And of course, right now I'm searching the world over right, for success stories and failure stories, right? There's failures we can learn from. Um, But yes, I want to talk to these people. You know, what are you doing? How do I give you the stage, the platform to tell your story so folks like you can connect them to somebody else, right? And listen and go, oh, that's brilliant. I know somebody else who's doing this piece that would dovetail really well with that, right? How do we get you guys together? Well, in the end, actually, it's nothing new. You know, innovation is all about mix and match, mix and match of ideas and talents mm. and systems that you know, believe and culture and values. And I think Hong Kong is a perfect place for innovation because we are a bit of everything. Yeah. And well, there's tremendous talent. I mean, there are so many smart people. Yeah. yeah I'm so embarrassed many. all yeah. the time by the people I meet and go, oh, you're so much smarter than me. You've done so much more than I have accomplished. 
I'm humbled by, by the folks I meet in Hong Kong and the capabilities they have. So yes, we need to enable these people. And, you know, it's not about me and sorry, it's not about you, Rachel. It's about, you know, who can we help? Yes. And I, I think, uh, and I love the work that you're doing and I, I hope that we work together a lot over the next however many years. <laughs> we, we find some real gems, connect them to some other real gems and and produce something that does change the uh, the education landscape here uh, that really moves us forward. That's the goal. Keep moving yeah. forward. Um, doesn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Keep talking. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Keep going forward. All right. Is there anything you want to kind of end with? Join our program in October. Meet tons of interesting people and brilliant minds. Yes, absolutely. You will I will, it. You will, I yeah, will put you the will link to the event uh, in the show notes. And uh, yes, we do encourage yeah. people. Yeah, if you're here in Hong Kong, absolutely. Or if you're you know, able to get to Hong Kong, you know, even better. Or uh, uh, you can attend virtually as well, right? Most of it will be Yeah, you can attend available. virtually yeah. as well. Yeah. yeah, if the time difference works. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. You got to coordinate the times yeah. uh, with Hong Kong. But I'm really looking forward to the event. I will be there for all of it right there with you, uh, helping out. And uh, you know, you've know, you got a great lineup there. So I'm very interested in that. So, well, thank you, Rachel, for being on the show. I hope this has been fun for you. It's certainly been an interesting and educational uh, conversation for me. I've learned a lot from you. So I thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope I have not been a troublemaker. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I want troublemakers. That's what we need. We need more troublemakers. All right. So much good stuff from Rachel Chan. I have a ton of fun doing this podcast and getting to talk with visionaries and experts. Coming up next, we have Stefan Bouchard, who recently published a book about ChatGPT and the impact on educational theory and practice. On the podcast, we have a debate about the benefits of debate-centered instruction. Yes, a debate about debate. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that one and other incredible guests we've got coming up on the show in the next few weeks. I'm Eric Byron. Thanks for listening. And thanks to all those education innovators out there. You are making a difference.